Welcome to another edition of Baseball and Beyond, and we go beyond again today. I don't know if our next guest is a big baseball fan, but I know he's a funny guy. I know he's uh, a metal fan, so we're going to talk music. It's Jim Florentine, ladies and gentlemen. Hello, Jim. I'm a huge baseball fan. What? A, where? Let's see. You're, you're born up north, right? Northeast? Yeah. So you're not a Red Sox fan, are you? No, I like the San Francisco Giants for baseball. <laughs> That's not northeast, but that's good. I'll take the Giants are okay with me, I guess. They they've beaten the Cardinals a few times uh, to to uh, eliminate from I know they had some good they had some good series together. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, I'm not a big fan. One of, of my that. one of my favorite players, I don't know if he's still welcome in St. Louis is uh, Jack Clark that was on the Giants too. Oh, yeah. Now see that. He's a, a, a guest of the show here and what I like about him, he doesn't he yes, he's welcome in St. Louis, by the way. He's he is, his three years were unbelievable, but he uh, he just literally will rip anything, you know. He'll he'll rip Albert Pujols and doesn't care what he says. He's gotten himself in trouble, but I like that, and I bet you do too. <laughs> no, that's yeah, that's well, you know, when when Pujols left, then it was okay to go after him. So I think you know if he was still there and he signed with the with the Cardinals and was a lifetime Cardinal, then it, it would have been a problem. That's right. It was after he left that Jack was uh, you know saying stuff about. It. I love Jack Clark. He had the best swing ever. I you watched I created like a, a YouTube clip of his 1987 home runs. No one hit the ball. I don't. I still don't think I remember people seeing a guy hit the ball harder. You know, I mean, McGuire hit him farther in Bonds, but man, he had that bat waggle. And the, I mean, I did that as a kid, just the wiffle ball. I would just sit there and try it to was, waggle. It looked like he was using a wiffle ball bat too. <laughs> it was awesome. Well, this is gonna be great. We can just talk about Jack Clark for a half hour myself. But I also was looking, uh, I did not know, we share the same birthday, so this is great. August 18th, we're Leos. Yeah. You're a little older than My me. My son's born on the same day, too. Well, how about that? How old is he? Yeah. Seven. Nice. Well, congrats on that. August 18th, a great date. Uh, so, you are in town. You'll be in St. Louis for uh, some comedy at the Funny Bone. Everyone knows the Funny Bone uh, at Westport Plaza. So you got three nights there. Are you excited about coming to St. Louis or are you dreading it? Most people dread it. I dread I it. Always love com- I always <laughs> love coming to St. Louis. It's a great comedy town. It's just a great town. I love I love the barbecue there and just the people and the crowds are great. You know, they just they don't come in with an agenda, just blue collar, drink some beer, tell me a few dirty jokes. I love that. Okay, because some people come in and then they, they want to rip the t- Actually, most comedians, I had a few comedians now through this through this podcast and they all love St. Louis. They all say the same thing, and they always ask, "Where's the, is the Funny Bone in Illinois still open?" And I'm like, "No, that it's not there anymore." But the Funny Bone, uh, man, that thing has been at the Westport Playhouse probably what, for 30 years. How often do you come in? I usually about once a year. I come in, you know, and I look forward to it. It's good. They, um, you know, they always pack them in there. It's in a good location and all that stuff. So, uh, I've been coming for probably about. Uh, probably about 13, 14 years now. Nice. Yeah, so I was going to, we're going to run through your career. You got a book, a podcast, you're coming here, but, uh, I guess, uh, I guess most people may remember you from Crank Yankers and terrorizing telemarketers. So I get mad because, man, I did this when I was 11 years old. I recorded the calls. I thought they were funny. Like I, I did prank calls. You just thought about putting them along with the jerky boys on a CD and, and making a little money off it. I, I wish I would have done that, but. That was, a, that was a great idea, and people always... I still do special ed. Like, I literally just do it in my daily, Hey, that's great! And I still do it all the time. I mean, is that cool that people know that still they still do that 20 years later? Not so much, because people forget the show, and this new generation never heard of Crank Anger, so... 
Uh, you'll still get it from time to time, but back in the day when that show was on, that's all people did. It was insane how big that show got that quick. And then what, what was the what what made you want to like that do that? I mean, it, and it's with puppets too. It was on Comedy Central, then moved to MTV too. But because they offered it to me, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, hey, you want to be on a TV show where you make prank phone calls and you're gonna get paid really well, and then you're gonna fly to Las Vegas in first class, you're gonna stay in a five star hotel. Nah, I don't, I don't, don't want to do that. I think no, the, you know, no. I, I put a CD out where I was messing with telemarketers, and yeah. they heard it and they hired me to do the show because they they like my prank calls. No, it was amazing doing it. Like who, who would have thought as a kid, like you said, making prank calls? I could have you know been on a TV show doing it and making a good living. That's a great idea, though, and that, and you could still do it today. You could terrorize telemarketers. So the, the whole the whole bit was you'd get a call from a telemarketer, and by the end, they'd be like, you know what, we're just going to thank you. We're not going to sell you anything. Take care. It's <laughs> a great idea. Yeah, it got to the point. They wanted to get off the phone. <laughs> That's my, that was my old goal. Like, oh, I want them to feel uncomfortable, like, you know, like we do on the other round where they actually want to go. And that is kind of, I mean, that seems like that's kind of your comedy. I obviously uh, kind of first heard of you on Stern, and, and I remember the big story that you did a few things. I think you created Upper Deckers, and, and people can look that up if they want something with a toilet. But um, <laughs> I think the one that I liked the best was when you, and I still think about doing this every time I go to a restaurant, you would just have them keep putting that pepper grinder on your salad, and, and, and you weren't going to eat the salad. You just said, no, 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 I, I, I'm not done. I mean, that that's the kind of stuff I find funny. You did, and you wouldn't really do that on TV. You just find that funny, right? You like to just terrorize people. Yeah, I was always just doing it this time. That you know, so that always annoyed me when the pepper guy came around. It's like, you know, why does he have to put it on? How come there's not a salt guy? You know, why just pepper? So I, you know, I would just make the guy keep putting pepper on, you know, constantly until I ran out. No matter how long it lasted, and I want to put out a couple of DVDs, like hidden camera stuff, where we did that stuff on there, but. I still do it to this day. Yeah, and I always think every time the pepper person comes over, I think one time I'm going to, in in tribute to you, I'm just going to let them, I'm going to screw up my salad and make these people think I'm crazy. But, well, the, the, the thing with that is that you're probably not going to eat it afterwards because it's going to be so spicy, it's going to ruin your meal. So sometimes when a guy comes around, I'm out with friends, they go, you want some pepper? And they all look at me like, are you going to do it? And I said, nah. And then I just go, no, nah, I'm good. And I go, I want to actually eat. I'm hungry, so I don't want to ruin my meal. Tell me other things that you may have done like that. Those, that's that's good stuff. And I, like I said, I think you you kind of created the upper decker, and it's basically putting your your poop in the wrong side of the toilet, basically up top instead of the bottom. <laughs> well, I, I didn't cre- I didn't create that. That's just growing up in New Jersey. You being should take a bunch of slobs. Take, I don't know who came up with that, but we used to do it as kids, take, take upper deckers. Take credit for it. I would. <laughs> I, I'd like to take credit for it. I want you know. I always wanted to invent something. <laughs> your so your book is kind of the same thing. You're 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 generally kind of angry. You, you kind of have that where you want to kind of like like I said, the terrorizing telemarketers. And your your book, I kind of read a little bit of it the other night, and it's just kind of going off on people on Facebook. And uh, tell me a little bit about the book. It just came out about a month ago. Yeah, it's basically about you know, um, you know about social media. A lot about you know like you know people either brag and looking for attention or sympathy. You know, those, you know, that's where most of the posts are. So, um, I actually put actually actual people's social media posts in the book and I just break them down into what they're really trying to achieve with their posts. You know, like, like the woman that just writes, uh, for sympathy, I'm on my way to the hospital and that's it. She doesn't explain why. You know, and then you got 75 people. Are you okay? Oh, I wish if I lived in St. Louis, I'd be there for you. 
please keep us posted. Thoughts and prayers. You know, and then after like an hour and 35 comments, she just writes up. It was just a sore throat. <laughs> you know what I mean? Meanwhile, she just wanted the attention. You know, she probably didn't even go to the hospital, most likely. You know, but she just, you know, she's trying to compete with everybody else that's gotten, you know, a bunch of, uh, you know, comments on their Facebook page. It's sick. It really is. Me, me and my brother talk about this a lot. I, un- I unfortunately have some people I follow that, that do that, and I do laugh because it's it's exactly like you said. I, I don't think they had an outlet as a child, and then now they know that people have to look at this. There's no way. I mean, you could block people, I guess. But, uh, yeah, it's Facebook. almost like they're resorting to, resorting to be back in high school, you know, because they're all competing with each other. You know, that's what you did in high school when you, you know, you wanted friends, you were awkward, you're socially awkward, you're trying to fit in. So you're liking what everybody else is liking because you just want friends. And now these people like middle age or in their, you know, mid thirties or whatever. And, and they're still doing that. It's like high school stuff. It, it's funny that you just, that comment you made though, cause I'm just thinking of like the five people that, uh, that I know that would post that, which is funny to me and it makes me laugh. But the, there's one guy, my, my brother, I, I don't know if I should out him, but he doesn't care. Uh, he, he's got a guy. Uh, I gotta defriend some of you guys, you know, I just, uh, I just got too many friends, and, uh, I just don't have time for this, the I don't have time for this, but I have to post that I don't have time for this, I, those are the, those are the kind of people I love. Oh, yeah, or, you know, hey, I lost, you know, I woke up this morning, I lost a Facebook friend, did I make someone mad, I'm like, who is counting, who is looking every day, hey, why do I only have 397, I had 398 the night before, like, how how empty is your life that you work or hey I'm, I'm cleaning out my Facebook uh, you know friends so if you get deleted nothing personal I'm just going to keep my close friends oh, ooh, I hope I make your list <laughs> Yeah, I keep my politics to myself but after the last school shooting and I don't want to get morbid here but I'm actually at the point where I'm about ready to say maybe we need to limit the freedom of speech uh, if people are going to be saying they're going to go shoot up a school and then do it I think we just arrest people that say that on Facebook, and I think some people just don't. I liked it better when their media was media, not social, and not everybody had a voice. I don't, I don't think everybody needs a voice. No, it's true. I mean, it 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 it, it, it you know, overflows into the athletes too, and the actors. It's like you know, they used to be like three guys, like you know, Martin Sheen, Sean Penn, and uh, Tim Robbins and Susan Sarandon that really. I kept talking about politics and this and that. And you're like, all right, that's annoying, but whatever. And now it's everybody. Everybody, you know, puts their two cents in. It's like, I don't care. And I don't care if you're you're a Democrat or Republican. If you're for Trump, I'm still going to hang out with you if you're my friend. You know what I mean? You know, these people on Facebook. If, you know, if you're a Trump supporter, just delete me as a friend. I don't want to talk to you. It's like, okay, are you, are you like Hillary? I'm done with you. It's like, who cares? It's a it's a weird time, and I, that's I think my problem is that everyone has a voice, and I, everyone doesn't need a voice. So, you know, I think there's yeah, no, it's true. You're right. Everyone doesn't. Uh, what was I? And look, you see what happened with the NFL when they try to mix politics in with football? How the ratings are down? People aren't going to the games and all that other stuff. It's like you know, sometimes you just want some entertainment. That stuff's all over everywhere you go. You walk into any any bar or restaurant, there's seven TVs on with CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, all that just constantly bombarding you. You go on Twitter, you go on Facebook. It's all over the place. People just want to break. Yeah, I can't watch. I don't watch the cable news channels. The one, the one show I don't I, either. I don't watch. I'm like, it, for what? So you know, get you angry. Can't find a middle ground on any of them. Yeah, get angry. You know, CNN. CNN used to be the place where, okay, if you're a liberal, you want the MSNBC. If you're a conservative, you want the Fox. 
CNN was the middle ground. Well, CNN's not like that anymore, so you don't even know where to go. The, I, the one, this is the one stupid social thing that's happened lately that I just think is so dumb. So, Katy Perry's on American Idol. I don't know if you've seen this, but she's literally coming on to guys that she thinks are cute. She asked one guy to kiss him. And now there's outrage from the other side saying, oh, you see, if this was a guy doing this. And I just, my thing is, there's just outrage back and forth. It's so stupid. Let Katy Perry do what she wants. I don't care. But but once you start doing the Oscars and have four hours of, oh, we can't have, uh, you know, women have to be equal. Well, then let's be equal. You know, I, I don't get it. No, you're right. But, you know, when the left starts all that stuff with the PC and everything has to be this and you better, you know, the women better have this and whatever. So then when the other side does it, you know, like conservatives are going to go, or males are going to go, hey, if that was a guy doing that, if he forced a kiss on a girl, that would be a big problem. So if they're going to start it, then, you know, the other side's eventually going to go, okay, then don't, you can't be a hypocrite here. We're going to call you out too. Yeah, it it sucks. I hate it. It's like when Kathy Griffin had, you know, did the, you know, the President Trump who's holding the head, the bloody head up. And it's like she didn't think anything was going to happen because the media is mostly liberal and they're going to let her slide. And then when they go, when they started calling her out, oh, hey, wait a minute, CNN, you're okay with this? This is the president and he's got a kid. And all of a sudden she got lost all her gigs. She's like, wait, what happened? I thought I was allowed to do that. It's like, no, because you guys always push the other way. So you're going to get it when it comes back to your side, which is like American Idol. I, who cares if she's hitting on guys? You know what I mean? But yeah, of course, everyone's going to go, look what she's doing. But yeah, and I think it's it's the one side that's the Me Too side is the one going, oh, come on, it's not a big deal. I'm like, no, wait a minute. You can't have both sides here. It's either one or the other. That's Absolutely. They would be doing that in a second. That's why there's a, gray, there's a whole gray area with that. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of actresses that aren't saying anything about Harvey Weinstein that really benefited from hanging out with him and doing whatever because they knew what they were getting themselves in there when they got roles and they got... Academy Awards and move, you know, and they live in a mansion now. And they're like, okay, well, whatever. You know what I mean? So, you know, there's two ways. Some, yes, yeah, some, yes, he was definitely creepy with, but there were others he wasn't, and the other women were okay with it. <laughs> yeah, I didn't plan to get into that line of questioning, but I, I felt like uh, we're, we're kindred spirits with this August 18th birthday, and it sounds like. Look, we... if Harvey Weinstein <laughs> cornered me in a room and did that and said, I'll give you a role in Pulp Fiction, I would have said, I would have locked the door. I said, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> and you're going to pay me too? Great. Is that I'm going to be in Pulp Fiction? Please. <laughs> uh, funny Bone, uh, like I said, this weekend. And uh, so what, what is your uh, stand-up comedy like now? I know you were doing a one-man show there for a little bit. Are you uh, you just kind of picking on scabs here in America? What, what, are, what, are your, what are your topics? I don't want you to give away jokes, obviously, but what, what are you going to be? No, uh, I just, you know, I just part stuff that's personal to me. You know what's going on in my life i pretty much talk about it. i don't really do observational humor you know what i mean i try to make it specific towards me so you know yeah. it all depends what's going on but no politics i don't talk about politics you do any air, you know, airline material do, peanuts like the peanuts yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, you know i i can't you know i usually go on stage last especially if i'm on the road so i can't go up there okay the first four guys you know they're trump jokes well here's my version <laughs> Yeah, well, and I, that's my other, all right, you, you've done it again. Like, what happened to, like, the late-night shows doing, just writing jokes? And it, now it's every one of them has their monologues Trump, Trump, Trump. And I I don't care either way. I just would like to laugh. But once, you, let's get creative, right? I mean, there's nothing, it doesn't seem like there's much creative stuff going on comedically these days, in my opinion. It's, la- it's lazy. I wish I was a, 
I was a, a, a writer for one of those late night shows. I only have to work 20 minutes a day. I can come up with four Trump is dumb, Trump is stupid, Trump is crazy jokes in 20 minutes and go back to bed. <laughs> uh, you know, like, what you, you gotta, you know, as a comic, you gotta know, like, at a point, like, if, if you're, pl- you're a plumber on, your plumber is on Facebook making Trump jokes, then you gotta move on from that. <laughs> then, like, that's when you know, like, alright, everyone's doing them, like, as a, as a comic or a talk show host, you gotta realize, okay, then I gotta, I can't do that anymore because everybody's doing it. It's almost like that old joke with a cop. Hey, cop, you know, cops eat donuts. You know, they're on Dunkin' Donuts. What a shock. The cop car's in front of the donut shop. Like, you, as any comic knew, all right, don't do that joke. Like, Letterman was not doing, you know, once he realized everyone was doing that joke, a seven-year-old would make, oh, look, the cops, they like donuts. Letterman knew, I got to move on. But it, all these guys, like, you don't even know... Like, you could put, there could be a Trump one-liner out there. You're like, okay, which one of the eight guys at late night did this? Because it could have been any of them. They're so interchangeable. Yeah, could have been my, could have been my Aunt, Aunt Betty, you know, at 60 years yeah, old. Yeah, it could have been your Aunt Betty <laughs> in Montana doing the same joke. Uh, it's an easy punchline. It's basically like, a, you know, the old Polish joke was, if someone goes, the Polish guy walks in a bar, you know he was going to do something stupid at the end. It's like, okay, so what's the punchline? And that's what the same thing with Trump. So there's no, you're not, no one's taking a unique angle on it at all. I want to see the guy that goes on the Academy Awards that goes, hey, let's give Trump a chance. I think he's doing a good job. Here are a couple of things that I think he did good. Like, that's a guy who's got some balls. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. You know? but, but yes, you're yeah, right. I know. For some reason, it's funny how they, because they're playing in their own audience. There, of course, they're going to be anti-Trump in that audience. That's like me doing a bachelor party, and I'm just going to do all anti-women, misogynist, and dirty jokes. I'm playing to my audience, a bunch of guys in a basement that hired me to do comedy, which I've done before. I'm going to know my audience there. I'm not going to talk about, you know, whatever, social issues when you're waiting for the stripper to come on after me. Hey, guys, uh, before we get the strippers out here, let's uh, let's talk about the budget. (laughs) I can see that. I, uh, yeah, exactly. You know, what about this, you know, uh, I just, uh, just tr- Republican tax cuts. I don't understand, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I know I'm not going to do that material in that guy's basement. That's very funny. So, yeah, I heard, like I said, I heard you first on, on Howard Stern, and I, I was just curious, um, you know, what, what that meant to your career to get on there, because it sounded like you started touring with Artie, and then and then things kind of really happened for you. What was it like kind of getting getting that that push from him and it seemed like it was a it was a big push right am i right about that oh yeah i mean doing it doing howard stern back in early 2000 that was like doing the tonight show with johnny carson like if he said you were funny then everyone that listened thought you were funny you know and he gave them a massive exposure and you know you're basically selling out the next day once you went on that show just like the old tonight show so i was lucky that he took a liking to me back at that time it was amazing and then you decide to date Robin. I mean, this was ex- so exciting for the fans to watch this happen. She wouldn't talk about it. You wouldn't either. But that had to be pretty ballsy. I mean, you're coming off a relationship that ended very, very badly, obviously, with, uh, and I don't want to bring it up, but you, you talk about it a lot. You had a, a girlfriend who committed suicide. But so I think about a year later, you asked Robin out. I don't know. Do you, uh, you have any fun Robin stories? <laughs> no, it was, it was good, you know, at that time. It was 11 years ago now. Yeah. Which seems like you know, it seems like, but um, no, it, it was it was fun. I mean, you know, I was a big fan of the show, and you know, I asked her out, and we dated for a little while, it didn't work out. But no, I mean, you know, she was cool. Look, she's hung. I always thought about this. I said, you know, she hangs with those boys in that boys' club every day, Howard and Gary and all those guys, Fred 
and when Jackie was there and Artie and all that stuff. So she can hang with the boys. So she's like almost like one of the boys, which she was, which was great. I feel like she does. It doesn't seem like that's for how she'd be off off the uh, show, though. I feel like she'd be more into champagne and uh, <laughs> caviar. What's that? I felt like on the show she played that sort of a character, but off the show I felt like she'd be more like champagne and caviar, not into upper deckers. <laughs> Maybe she is. Who knows? Well, yeah, she probably not. No, not really. No, she was pretty much down the earth. I mean, I, you know, we just hung. I took her to see Van Halen. I remember her and like Stone Temple Pilots. You know, had a good time and stuff like that. So, no, I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, she liked, you know, nicer stuff, whatever. But, no, she was totally cool with that. How, how's your relationship with Howard these days? You still uh, still kind of get on there? Yeah, not? good. I mean, I, you know, I just did the wrap-up show a few weeks ago, promote my book and everything. And, um, no, it's, uh, you know, I still see those guys. I work up at Sirius, too, and I see them around. I'm friends with all those guys at the show. So it's all good. Yeah, and Artie Lang, uh, you toured with him. I don't know if you talked to him a lot. Uh, I know a lot of fans... It's really weird. I actually just talked to Stuttering John, and and then friends of mine are like, "Oh, you," because I don't listen to Howard as much as I used to. I felt like the you know the day already left. It was like, oh man, that's kind of the end of the show to me, and I I haven't listened. But with Stuttering John, it really felt like an end of an era because then you, they bring in uh, Richard and Sal, and it was just different. But they, a lot of my friends are like, "Oh no no, you got to go back and listen." And they, I used to love Artie too, but uh, how, how how are you talking to Artie at all, and how's he doing? Uh, I, obviously. I see him once in a while. You know, he's doing a podcast uh, now, and it's really funny. He's doing good. I see him out in the clubs in New York City. You know, he's hanging in there. You guys, um, you guys yeah, had so you know he's he's still he's still around. He's kicking. Any good road stories from those days when you guys toured? Because you know, you guys got to. Well, I know he played Carnegie Hall, and you start you start finding these big big areas, these big stages, these big rooms. You're not playing the funny bone anymore. Now you're playing, you know, three thousand seat. Do you have any fun? I just remember, you know, already talking about having a sandwich thrown at him, or any any fun memories that you have of the of those tours and those times. Oh yeah, I mean those tours were amazing. I remember it's funny because this is just that at the funny bone in St. Louis. So Artie was playing that before he went really got really big and started playing theaters, right? So Artie's doing like you know seven shows over the weekend. They're all selling out. So Artie. Artie's up on stage doing a show at the Funny Bone in St. Louis, and the waitress comes up to the table, and she has 10 shots of Jägermeister on a, on a tray. And Artie just stops his set, and he goes, okay, he goes, which one's mine? She goes, they all are. And he goes, what do you mean, they all are? She goes, uh, someone bought them for you. And Artie goes, I can't do all 10 of these shots. And the whole crowd just starts booing them and starts the chant for him to do it. So he drinks all 10 down, one at a time, 10 in a row. Right down, and then he finishes the set somehow. Now, I'm there two weeks later, and I'm drawing a lot of a certain crowd, too. And they send, like, ten shots up to the stage. I go, what is this? That is for you. I go, I don't drink when I'm on stage. They go, no, Artie. And they're like, Artie, Artie was here two weeks ago. He did all ten shots. Come on, man. They started chanting. And I just said, hey, look, I'm telling you right now, I'm not Artie Lang. I go, I'll do one shot, and that's it. I'll drink afterwards. I don't drink during my show. And they were booing and stuff. I go, I don't give a shit. I was giving the crowd the finger. I go, you can boo me all you want. I'll do one of these and that's it. I'm not doing 10. So I wound up just doing the one. But I had to shut that down. And then I told the waitress, like, oh, look, if that happens again, just put, like, you know, iced tea or something. Fake, you know, make make that it's not a real shot and I'll just do all 10. So I don't have to deal with that abuse. <laughs> Those are my people, Jim. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that's what I love about St. Louis. Uh, 
Oh, man. You'll be at the Funny Bone, like I said, here all weekend long. Obviously, tickets available. And uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, rock and roll with you, and then uh, I'll let you go, but I appreciate your time. So you do that that metal show on VH1. You've done it for a while. Is that still on? I, I think it is, right? No, no, we stopped it. Stopped in 2015. Yeah, we, got, okay. we, we so, did, uh, had a seven-year run. Maybe I'm checking out VH1 Classic, and it's still on. <laughs> but... Uh, I, I liked uh, I liked that because uh, I, I have this argument uh, all the time, or more of a thought in my head. You know, when you get older, you just you just think your music was better when you were younger. But I really I and I know you're you're more into the metal. But I was really thinking about today, like where where is the Young Pearl Jam, Stone Temple Pilots, Alice in Chains? I mean, you kind of you're more into the I think Pantera, kind of the heavier stuff. But I mean, you listen to progress or alternative radio i guess they're not you're not hearing bands like that it's more like cage the elephant and black keys am i wrong is it sad are we in a bad spot right now maybe we come out of it with something or what, what do you think um there's a band greta van fleet out there that's kicking ass have you heard them no have you check them out greta greta van fleet they sound like zeppelin 70s kind of sound they're selling out everywhere doing like 2500 seats they're kids they're like 19 and 21 year old kids I like that. All right, that's written down. Give me another one. <laughs> Just kidding. So there is. Uh, you're uh, telling me that there, is, there, rock and roll is still will never die. Is what you're trying to tell me? Yeah, you know, look, it's it's a tougher time to find it because you know there's not MTV and the radio really isn't playing breaking bands like they used to. So it's uh, you know, but you got to go like these festivals and stuff and kind of check it out there when the, all these bands are on. You know, like that band Hailstorm, even though they've been around for a while. I love those guys. I don't know if you heard them. I don't think so. <laughs> I usually, if they're yeah, on the radio, no. if they're on the radio, I hear it. If not, I I need someone to introduce me to it. So that that's good that we're we're having this conversation. No, you know, look, it's uh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like I said, it's not people aren't as focused. You know, there's too many distractions now with the phone. There's a lot of entertainment on that phone that people stare at all day. So they're not really into going down to a record store and buying something and reading Lionel you know, the liner notes and all that stuff and be excited about new music. Most of the new generation is in the pop music or country, you know, and pop is just, you know, throwaway garbage that, you know, won't stand the test of time. So they don't care. They're not really passionate about music. It's new generation. So that's why there's not a lot of young, young kids are getting into it because they don't have the passion for the music either unless their parents get them into it. Yeah. I think that's a big, you have to, as a parent, it's like part of your your duty. My dad used to be a, a uh, well, he had all the records from the fifties and sixties and seventies, and then he was a wedding DJ from nineteen seventy five to like nineteen ninety two. So he had to buy every record. So he had everything from the Beatles to Beach Boys to, I mean, he had ten thousand records. And on a Sunday, he's like, "Sit yeah. down, we're gonna play a record." And he'd play Iron Butterfly. You know, he'd play the one side, and then he'd turn it over and it'd be in a Gata De Vida, or he'd put put on some Rare Earth. I don't think anybody knows who Rare Earth is anymore, but I that was what I remember, and I'm like, all right, once once I procreate here one day, there's going to be Record Sunday. It's important. <laughs> I yeah, no, I mean, I, I got my, my seven-year-old son, and I took him to, he's been to, I think, 15 concerts so far. I take him to metal shows all the time. He takes music lessons. He's been taking them for three years, and He's totally into it. Judas Priest was playing last night in New Jersey, and it was a big snowstorm coming. So we didn't know he was. He was more upset than I was. What? So, uh, how cool has it been just to be able to meet all these guys? Is that is that kind of a career? I, I get a big 
kick out of meeting you guys and talking to you guys, and it's kind of the baseball part of this podcast. I really do enjoy this. Is that the same for you? Kind of that that it's not really about the comp comedians that you get to meet, but Judas Priest, Ian Halpert, and anybody from you know Anthrax, Scott Ian, those guys. Is it is it cool to know them by first name and, and that kind of thing? Yeah, man, it was great meeting all those guys. I mean, you know, I was I've been a fan since I was a little kid. My older brothers got me into it. You know, so just to get on a show and interview these guys, you know, it was a thing where I didn't even have to do any research. I'm like, oh, Angus Young's coming on the show. Uh, I don't even have to go to Wikipedia. I've, I've been wanting to ask them these questions since I was 12. That's crazy. That'd be so much fun. Well, I'm going to wrap up, but I did want to bring up, you, we were talking about rock and roll. We we're talking about prank calls, so we'll bring it all together. You became friendly with Eminem. What was that like? He decided he wanted to be part of Crank Yankers. Give me a little bit about uh, that meeting and, and just his, we see his persona. I am assuming he's not like that all the time. No, he was really cool. You know, he was uh, in the door. He used to watch Crank Yankers all the time. That was like the only the TV show that they bonded over. And she's like, Dad, I want you to be on that show. And then he got got in contact with Tommy Central and, they saw, and he liked the characters that I did on the show he's like I want to do calls with that guy and you know I'm a big metalhead but I always liked Eminem I always liked his music I'm like oh man and you know go to Detroit to his studio and make playing phone calls was, was amazing I was really nervous you know I already met some you know I was already on this Howard Stern show so I met one of my idols and stuff but I was like man I was nervous meeting Eminem because I go if I piss this guy off he's going to write a whole album about me <laughs> That would have been cool, though. I guess so, yeah, at the time, yeah. But they are like, who is this guy? You know. So, but uh, he was great, man. He was just nothing but nice down to earth. And he was really good at prank calls. He had a bunch of prank calls on his earlier records, so. So I, he's probably not, I mean, I would, I would assume he's not the same guy that's yelling in his rap, right? He, he's prob- I'm probably, I'm trying to think of the good cerebral. One thing I always respected about Eminem, the guy stayed in Detroit to raise his kid never went Hollywood, never started dating, dating Jennifer Lopez when he had a movie coming out or an album coming out for publicity. Didn't do any of that. He stayed in his hometown and raised his kids. That was the most important thing for him. That's a good point. Talented guy, yeah. as you are as yeah. well. As well as let's you. Talk baseball. Uh, let's see. Giants, uh, so you took uh, Evan Longoria. You got McCutcheon. So you guys would be, this would be a good team in 2013, Jim. Nah, I don't know. Yeah, I know. It's like they're doing it the complete opposite of what every other team is doing, trying to get younger and they're taking all these veterans. I would have taken Longoria. I, I feel like uh, we we have a weird issue at third base where we got like three guys that can play there but not real well. Um, I think Longoria's got two or three good years in him. I, I wanted him. He, I, want, I wanted the he Cardinals. Had his, he had his worst year last year, so I'm a little nervous about that. The pan and the panda's still there, right? You guys have yeah, but yeah, he's got nothing left. <laughs> I think yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't. Know, I guess you guys don't have a lot of pitching. But if you get Mad Bomb, you get Cueto. Who's who else you got out there? You get, Samarge is not real good. You guys need some pitching, right? Yeah, Samarge so is you know our three starter. You know, gives up a lot. He can he can eat up he can eat up innings, but you know he gives up a lot of runs. He's pretty good. I mean, you know. He's a good three-star. He's overpaid, but whatever. What are you going to do? They got a couple of guys that they're trying to fit in at four and five because Matt Cain retired. You know, so I don't know. They're not, you know, they had their run three World Series in six years. I think they just, you know, they want to fill seats at that stadium. They don't want to rebuild. 
So, they, you know, they got a lot of money. They sell out pretty much every game. They sold out every game for like eight years up until last year. Then they stopped selling out. So they want to get a, you know, competitive, some stars on that field, a competitive team. And, but they're not going to go anywhere. They got to, they got to basically just break everything down. But look, they, they paid for it. Like, you know, when Lincecum and, and, and Kane and, you know, all those guys and Buster Posey and all those guys that won the Hunter Pence. They're getting these big contracts afterwards, like, hey, you helped us win a World Series, so, you know, we're going to stay loyal to you. Eventually, I was going to catch up to you. Yeah, the Cardinals do not do that. They uh, they get rid of you before uh, the, the, the treading on the tire is off. Are you concerned at all? I feel like right now that, and I'll wrap up here, you, you wanted to talk baseball, right? I want to make sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm concerned that we're at a point, we're going to get to a point that the Yankees, Red Sox, Dodgers, Cubs, Astros... There's only going to be five or six teams. There was a point here about three or four years ago where you could, you know, throw 20 teams in a hat and be like, ah, you know, if they get to the playoffs, man, right now there's there's only seven teams that I think, I mean, I, the Cardinals are right on that bubble, but the Royals have no shot. The Rays have no shot. The Marlins have, it's not good when teams are, are tanking, but it's also no, not. No, it's not. The Astros, though, you know what I mean? They, uh, you know, they, they came out, you know, they, they built from the farm. Yeah, I mean, event, yeah, it's almost back to where it was before, where guys are just buying it. I'm not buying the Yankees because they got Stanton, that, you know, because they got Stanton and Judge in that lineup. That's never worked anywhere where a team scored, you know, nine runs a game. That means they let up 14. So I'm not, you know, I'm not sold on that just because you get a bat in the lineup. You know, you know, the Cardinals always won with good pitching and so did the Giants when it comes down to it. So. I feel like they got. I mean, CC's done, but Severino's pretty good. Sonny Gray. I'm hoping for for big things on the fantasy team. I feel like they got, and then they got Chapman and Batances. I you, right now, it's like, man, you just got to build a bullpen, and then you'll win. And it, I think I like. That's why I well, like. We'll what, see because the, the Rockies or was it the Rockies? Yeah, the Rockies spent like a hundred million dollars on their bullpen for like three setup guys and a closer. Like they're going to try to do that, so we'll see if that formula works. Well, I don't know. It was funny though you because know? they did all that before everyone decided they weren't going to spend money on free agents. So they could have probably got all those guys for like ten mil, but then they spent hundred mil. No, I know, I know. They jumped right out there and just spent all this money. You know, so I don't know. Uh, you know, I I wasn't cr- you know last year. Obviously, the ball was juiced. It was the most home runs ever. I don't know if that's good or bad for baseball. I don't think you can all of a sudden get new fans because there's a couple more homers a game. Um, they do got to speed up the game, so definitely we'll see if it works. But that's it's not going to make a big difference. What they got to do ultimately is take some commercial time out. You know, that's the only way you're going to slow them up. So, I mean, speed up the games really takes significant time off, and then the manager's not going to the mound. But that's baseball now. They, you know, every batter, fits, you know, this, this guy, this lefty comes in against this guy, and we, you know, all our analytics and all that stuff. So that's why there's a lot. The games are so slow. I, the game was always slow when I went, and I never complained about it being slow. I know this is all being done for people watching on TV, but I never, ever sat at a game that was running slow or was two hours long in the fourth inning going, oh, my God, when is this going to end? I, I know it's for TV, but... I just get so sick of this. Oh, we got to speed, 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 speed. Because it just let the guys play. You know, we don't need these. Art. We, the guy going to second base in the tenth inning. I mean, that's happening in the minor leagues. I just, I just find that to be incredibly hokey. No, it's true. I mean, you know, you don't, you know. Um, yeah, I, um, and sometimes you know you can almost go, okay, well, it's the second inning of a game. I could turn, I could tune in in an hour and a half. It'll be the sixth inning, and I'll pick it up from there because you know the game's going to be long. You got those kind of fans, but um, 
I don't, I'm not a big fan of the instant replay. I think it's slow. It's just like with football. You see, it's been with football, what, 30 years and it's the worst it's ever been. Every other play, they got to stop to look at a, you know, a half a yard and, you know, super, super slow HD. It's like a sport, you know, so you're going to get good calls and you're going to get bad calls. They all even out. And, you know, just that baseball's doing that. And if, a, you know, a manager's got one left, he might as well use it, even though he's probably not going to win it. I don't know. To me, that annoys me. I agree. I think, I mean, you need, I think you need instant replay. You want to get it right. But if it's going to take four minutes, I mean, just, it should be, there should be but a cl- They're never going to figure it out. You know what I mean? Like, that's what they said with the NFL. We got to get it right. We got to get it right. And it's 30 years in and it's the worst it's ever been. Well, if, I mean, the NFL, I'm, obviously, I'm done with the NFL after they moved the Rams. But before that, I was kind of getting close to being done with it. You can't, an average fan doesn't know what a catch is. Not, not only just the average fan. Chris Collinsworth and Al Michaels, you know, football guys. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Oh, man. No, it's a joke that, a, you know, a, a running back, all they have to do is the, the nose has to break the plane, <laughs> and then he can fumble it at the touchdown. But a receiver has got to, you know, have every body part down three different times. I say that every time I watch a game, like the Super Bowl, that happened. I said, I don't even understand how this is not the ball is over the over the plane. That's it. Cut touchdown. As a kid, this was yeah, always that, a touchdown. Why is it different with a running back? Right. Um, so I'm going to wrap up with you. Thanks again. But 1987. How how did you become a Giants fan? Honestly, did you grow up out there? I didn't. I didn't look. No, I, when I was a little kid, I was watching game in a week, and I saw Willie McCovey swing, and that was it. You know, I I was a lefty and I was a first baseman at Little League. So yeah, and no, I, you know, I, it was between that or the Mets, and I wasn't going to like the Mets. They were bad in the seventies. Uh, how was nineteen eighty seven for you? That was my my favorite year as a Cardinal fan. And I don't know if you remember the Cardinals and Giants playoffs with Jeffrey Leonard and Chili Davis. It was amazing. <laughs> Cardinals- Jeffrey Leonard with the flat down when he hit the home runs. <laughs> that that is when when you get a villain in baseball like that and that was created literally in a seven game series I love that that's what I love about baseball playoffs it's kind of yeah. it's, it's not as brutal as hockey playoffs because you can literally just two games in hate those guys but baseball that it takes a while for it to simmer but man Jeffrey Leonard was just hated here and he loved it I mean after the game I remember the best part about Game six, the Cardinals win one nothing, so it, it takes it to a game seven, and they always used to do the star of the game interview first, and so the Giants lost one to nothing in game six. The first interview was Marv Albert and Jeffrey Leonard because they knew this is way more important. That's how great it was. Yep. Yeah, and then Leonard wasn't even that good of a ball player, but he just turned it on, and, and the, you know, in the playoffs, all of a sudden he was a superstar. He was like you know the Cody Ross of the Giants in later years that just had an amazing run in the playoffs. And Marco Scudero, who we got from you guys. Yeah. Well, no, we never had him. Um, oh, I thought he, I thought he was from the Cardinals. No, but yeah, he kicked our ass that year. Um, no, we never had him. Okay. Holiday took him out. Uh, yeah, but, I know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, maybe we have a little bet. Uh, maybe I'll keep in touch with you. And we'll have a little bet. Maybe a little. Uh, let's see, Funny Bone. There's a White Castle over there. A steak and shake. So maybe we'll get you a shake or, or maybe a triple burger. Cardinals uh, more wins than the Giants in 2018. What do you think? No, look, they, they, I, I I can't bet you on that because <laughs> the, the Cardinals are definitely going to have more wins. I'm not sure, but we'll that that's why I, I can make the bet a little bit. But I'm still not sure. I I, I think the Giants will go 500 this year if they're lucky. About right around 500, they're going to go. I feel like the Cardinals are going to go 500 right now, but we'll see. 
They're 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 really just banking on young pitching. They they've just said we don't need a closer. I I don't I've never seen a Cardinal team leave spring training without a closer. They don't have the name of a closer. They have uh, uh, three young guys in the rotation with two more to come once people get hurt. And the lineup's not that great. I just don't I don't know. But uh, so we'll see. I was going to make a bet, but uh, that's fine. I, I'll I, I don't like losing money, so that, that that's good too. Yeah, and I, I'm not confident in this team this year, so I don't want to bet either. I just, um, yeah, you know, uh, whatever. What are you gonna do? Yeah, what are you gonna do? Well, I like I, this is awesome. I appreciate. No one has ever asked to, to stay on longer to talk baseball, so this is a first. Yeah, I love baseball, baseball and pro football, and yeah, you know, you got you know, the team got yanked from you guys, and you know the NFL is going to come back in like five years. Go, hey, we want to give you another team. No, we're not. We you don't know, have. No, a, we, no, we're good. We're good. We, you already screwed us over. Our our city. We can't even get a soccer team in it. We can't build a stadium. No one wants to build a stadium. This this place, the, the politics of the of St. Louis goes back a long time. Um, that's how we lost a team in 1987. Uh, it's how we got a team in '95, but signed a terrible lease. It just goes on and on. We we had an MLS stadium like ready to go, and we couldn't get our we couldn't get our shit together just to get a damn soccer but team. You, you know what? But you didn't need a new stadium there. You know what I mean? What you see, so you have six more skyboxes for people. I don't know. The more I was at the dome uh, about a month ago, it's. I mean, you have to upkeep it, but it's not. It's definitely not top tier. You could play football in there. I will say, and, and I get so pissed at people. Oh, it was a terrible atmosphere. Uh, people weren't saying that in '99 and 2000 and 2001 during the greatest show. It was. It was loud. I remember Melissa Stark saying, "I've never been anywhere louder." We're going to put down a, a noise meter, and they showed, and they said, "This is the loudest stadium in all of America." And it's. It's. It had. A, it, it broke a world record at that time. So I don't want to hear how shitty the stadium is. It is now, but no. But I mean, but okay. So then, what, you know, just like the Braves Stadium, twenty years later, you need another new stadium because you know. Someone just built a new modern stadium, so I want us to copy that. It's like when you when are you going to stop building stadiums for what ten games a year, eight regular season and two preseason, and you have a few concerts in there? You know what I mean? It's like just deal. If you put a good product on the field, no, I, I, you know people would sit on cement. Yeah. Well, the NFL's crooked. I mean, they literally just ripped they ripped three teams out of cities that enjoyed having football. Yeah, they don't even care. No, they don't. And if it doesn't work, okay, we'll just get another relocation fee. We'll split it between the other one thirty one owners, and you know, no big deal. And we'll move it to another city. Who cares? Yeah, okay. And when Roger Goodell walks, it's all about the fans. Is it? Is it all about the fans? Well, he's you know he's terrible. It's we could when go you got, when you got the commissioner basically in hiding. You know what I mean? Anywhere he goes, he gets booed. That's not good for your league. <laughs> he could not give out the damn trophy at the Super Bowl this year. They wouldn't let no, him. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't go to New England games. He's this not, and he just every time he comes out for the NFL draft, he gets booed. He has to hide. I think. I think. I thought that XFL Vince McMahon could come up with something back in the day. Now he's got another one. But then yesterday, I saw that they're gonna. Uh, Dick Eppersall's kids actually got funding, so there's going to be other yeah. alternatives. I would be very interested to see how that works. I don't think we'll get a team because we still don't have our shit together for that, but maybe we do. Either way, I like that people realize that now is the time to bite. That the NFL is, is a joke, and you can possibly. No, I know now is the time to start a different league. Look, you're never going to topple the NFL, but if you just chip away at them, almost like how ESPN. Was you know dominant all those years? Then Fox Sports came along, and they don't they don't beat them, but they chip away at them and they're taking people away. You know, since ESPN is basically like MSNBC now, so you know you want to just hear sports. 
college football is so big. Like, Tim Tebow, if he was on the team and he was the quarterback of an XFL team, they'd sell out. People would love to see that. Or A.J. McCarron, he's a backup, you know, but everyone remembers yeah. him with Georgia. It's like the SEC is almost like uh, the minor leagues of the NFL, so why not let these guys continue and not be sitting on the bench? I, I don't know. I think it'll work. I actually think I think it's going to work. Yeah, I mean, they'll, they'll do pretty decent business. Well, if I want to talk sports again, I, I forgot. I did not realize you wanted to go this deep into sports, but I'm going to keep. Uh, I'm going to keep your number, and maybe in six months we uh, we talk about our uh, our the playoffs and just see how, how the playoffs went, how the season went, and see if uh, if I owe you a steak and shake. I'm, I, I won't bet. I but just I, know just notice that there's a guy in New Jersey, me, who is rooting for the Rams to fail in L.A. just as much as anybody in St. Louis. Well, that's that, well, that's exciting to know. I, it's when I see that stadium half full. On a Sunday, even if you know the stadium they're playing in now, I, it makes me smile. And a new stadium that's going to tank, the, the, you know, the Chargers got no draw power. And yeah, you're going to sell some, you know, PFLs, but no one's going to care. I mean, you don't put a good team on the field, which yeah, the Rams had a decent year last year. But you, you watch, no one, no one cares in LA. They're all bandwagoners. They're not going to, you know, they'll go to games where. If it, you know, like if the Cowboys are playing out there, any Cowboy fans living in LA will go to those games, just like the Chargers playing in, uh, outside of LA now. If you're an opposing team, the Eagles, the Dolphins, you know, they'll go, oh, cool, the Dolphins are coming West Coast, they'll go to the game. Those people buy up most of the tickets. Yeah, that, that owner, uh, he basically hoodwinked us, so hopefully bad things happen. Oh, yeah, he's a shyster. He's a shyster. That they, guy. They all he's are. a used car sales. He's a snake oil salesman. They're, they all are. That's, I mean, there's only two or three good guys, I think, still running that league, but they're all just, they're all they're all Jerry Jones light, you know? They're all just trying to make money grab after money grab. Yeah. That's why they're billionaires, I guess. Every, every nickel they can put in their pocket, they don't give a crap about anything else. But, you know, at least just don't lie to us. You know, try to say that you're, you know, that's not what you're about. That's exactly what you're about. At least people see it. So that's, I guess that's a good thing. I yeah, guess. I know. Now they're getting exposed, which yeah. is good. Well, Jim Florentine, I enjoyed this immensely. I appreciate your time. You're at the Funny Bone all weekend in St. Louis. Uh, everybody go out and see him. I'm going to try to drop in as well. Big fan. And I appreciate your time here on Baseball and Beyond. And we're going to catch up again, uh, I guess, I guess in October. And we're going to talk, uh, we're going to do our little car, uh, baseball playoff uh, preview. How about that? Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm in. All right. Thanks a lot, Jim.